0: Hey, C.S. Just with C.S. Just Thought Life, doing yet another episode on social compatibility of the types. Social compatibility being friendship compatibility, face-to-face relationships, plus shoulder-to-shoulder relationships melded together to create social compatibility. Uh, this algorithm is based on a weighted average uh, between the cognitive functions to show the functional uh, compatibility, uh, just, Before I go into that, we're doing it on like the ENFJ, also known as the mentor uh, for this particular episode here on YouTube or on the podcast. But I would like to actually throw out a disclaimer. Uh, I think it's necessary to do that. Uh, Recently with some of the interactions uh, I've had uh, with uh, some of the comments in the last couple of uh, videos here on the YouTube channel. And also I got a call from a good INTP friend of mine who had additional questions and uh, reminded me that I needed to talk about the difference between camaraderie and the difference between compatibility. So compatibility and camaraderie are two separate things and I'm focusing on the compatibility component. Uh, Camaraderie is where people kind of end up having relationships with each other because of how similar they are. So for example, like NTJs uh, working together on a project or SFPs uh, creating something together or STPs Uh, you know, which kind of of lends itself to more shoulder to shoulder related uh, relationships or or IFJs or um, ISJs or NFJs or NTPs. There's a lot of subgroups within the types that can end up having, you know, camaraderie with each other. Now, if you notice for a good example of this is right here with this ENFJ uh, example. We go into ENFJs, we'll get to the point where we're gonna talk about ENFJ versus INFJ being somewhat lacking in compatibility with social compatibility, yet they're both NFJs. And my aunt and uncle for one, they're married and they're both an ENFJ and an INFJ, for example. So those types of incompatible relationships can still happen. It just takes a lot more mental energy to maintain those relationships be it friendship or intimate relationships, even working professional relationships, it just takes a lot more mental energy as well as a lot more maturity, especially from the human nurture standpoint to be able to maintain those relationships. Not impossible, but not ideal either, right? And that's kind of the point I'm trying to make with compatibility here versus camaraderie. NFJs have camaraderie because they have those things in common. But there's also really high compatibility with types that don't have much in common. Uh, so, for example, uh, although it's interesting, I mean, like the ENFJ and the INFp for this model's top compatibility, but uh, you know they do actually have some in common because the INFp shadow is the ENFJ, or the ENFJ's shadow is the INFp, for example. So, it's really how you toss the salad but that's why this is social compatibility, right? It's not, we're not talking about camaraderie. Another point I'd like to make when it comes to the list of the 16 types that I've developed uh, as a result of this algorithm, it's all about level of depth, right? Level of depth. So you could have a really, really deep social relationship with these types, get really, really deep with them because your type just cleaves really well with them. Uh, Whereas these, are more shallow uh, surface oriented relationships for acquaintances, etc. Kind of repeating myself when I say that and I get that, but I just really wanna keep driving that home to draw that distinction with these particular lectures, etc. cetera. So, uh, also, this is also important because from an evolutionary standpoint, and I mean micro evolutionary standpoint, right? A micro evolutionary standpoint with our psyches as we have developed over time as a race, especially all of our social systems, et cetera, there are redundancies. To be able to have compatibility and camaraderie at play at the same time, really just means that people can have relationships with all of the 16 types, which is fantastic. But at the same time, there's still ways to optimize those relationships and that, you know, it comes with having compatible cognitive functions, of course. But that's not to say that human beings cannot work together in a combination of camaraderie versus compatibility, if you know what I mean. So, and also camaraderie also lends itself to opening, you know, up to nurtural differences, nurtural similarities in the same way compatibility does. It's just a different dimension. Like imagine this is like a cube and each in, we're only looking at one side of the cube here, camaraderies and the different types of camaraderies are there. Whereas the compatibility is also different as well. Compatibility from the cognitive functions point of view. Whereas you're looking at camaraderie between interaction styles, camaraderie between uh, temperaments, right? A camaraderie between being NFJs versus NFPs, NTPs, NTJs, etc., or or being in, uh, introverted perceivers. Again, camaraderie is still at play, but for the sake of this lecture and this season, we're focusing on social compatibility according to cognitive functions, so that you understand that the mind, what the mind has to go through and what it's least path, because you want the mind to have like the least possible friction or resistance when engaging with another person to have that really amazing one-on-one friendship from a social compatibility standpoint. And yes, this is based on -on one-on-one relationships. Doesn't necessarily mean face-to-face because you can still have shoulder-to-shoulder one-on-one. But remember, social compatibility is a combination of face-to-face and shoulder-to-shoulder at the same time. So anyway, enough of that disclaimer we're gonna be going right into the mentor, also known as the ENFJ and its compatibility. So starting with our compatibility list over here, the ENFJs uh, really like being around NPs uh, the most, then SJs and then NJs and then SPs. And then to go a little bit deeper than that, we have NFPs, STJs, NTPs, SFJs, SFPs, NTJs, STPs, and fellow NFJs, okay? And then the actual 16 type list for the algorithm for the benefit of those listening today on the podcast and can't see this whiteboard. At the very top, we have INFP, ENFP, ISTJ, ESTJ, INTP, ENTP, ISFJ, ESFJ, ISFP, ESFP, INTJ, ENTG, ISTP, ESTP, INFJ, and finally, fellow ENFJs as well. So that is basically the 16 types in order according to social compatibility, according to this algorithm. So I only, for I mean, okay, I'm, these are getting pretty repetitive in some cases. So I'm just focusing on top four compatible Lowest four compatible according to the social compatibility. And the first one on the top is the INFP. So let's take a look at how they interact with mentors, ENFJs. So mentors are aware of how everybody is feeling. Guess what? The INFP is aware of how they feel, no conflict. Uh, the mentor is aware of what they want, responsibly knows what they want. And the INFP is responsibly aware of what everyone else wants. So no, no, uh, no conflict there. I know what I want. I know what you want. I know the experience you're having. I know the experience I'm having, you know, so their children, they're lining up pretty well each other. SE wants to give that SI child a really good experience. The INFP wants to receive it from the ENFJ. Definitely awesome. And then it's like, ooh, I know what other people are thinking and I know what I think too. No conflict there. Or I'm worried about how I feel. I'm worried that I'm a bad person. And then the INFP's like, oh, don't worry. I already worry if you're a good person or not. So let's seek to make you good so that you're always good. Yay, no worries, no conflict. Or I'm very critical over what other people want. Yeah, don't worry about that because I'm already critical about what I want. INFPs, no conflict, right? And then uh, I'm not really aware of what I'm experiencing and I make it, and I'm very forgetful. And yeah, I'm not aware of what you're experiencing either. And I can forget things too, because I like forget where I leave certain things, but then after a while, I'll start to remember with my SI long-term memory. And then also, I remember exactly where I left it. So there you go. INFP versus ENFJ in that regard. I'm not aware and I really don't care about being aware about what other people think. And then the INFP's like, well, I don't care about what I think either. So who cares? I only care about how I feel. No conflict in this relationship. <sighs> At least as far as the cognitive functions. Now. They can compete, they can be friendly, compete. wisest Because they're both in the same hero slot. For example, like, uh, Effie's like, well, what you're doing is unethical, but the INFP's like, well, what I'm doing is moral. So I care more about morals than ethics. But then the ENFJs, but that's not ethical. People don't feel good about that. But the INFP's like, well, I feel good about it. So they should get over themselves. You know what I mean? So it can land to some kind of conflict, but it's like a friendly conflict, but they can talk it out they can meet on these uh, eight cognitive spectra and really communicate. Like both their radios are tuning in to each other's frequencies, to each other's channels, if you know what I mean. So they're really able to have a meeting of the minds in this kind of relationship. So this relationship here, the ENFJ and the ENFP, which is number two in the list, as I keep saying, it has built-in humility because you have the parent and the hero relationship. Remember, the hero is flying around saving the world And the parent sometimes has to protect the children when the hero's flying around saving the world because there's collateral damage. And the parent's like, okay, Mr. Hero, calm down. I got this, you know, you need to listen to me. And the hero's like, okay, yeah, you're right. I'm very optimistic, you know, you're pessimistic. I should listen to you. Whereas in this first relationship here, ENFJ, INFP, the heroes, they're both optimistic. And they can like try to out-optimist each other, just like these can out-pessimist each other or out-optimist optimist, optimist children can out-optimist each other. And then the inferior functions can out-pessimist each other. It's kind of weird how it works. Whereas that doesn't really exist in this issue, in, in this relationship, ENFJ, ENFP. The thing is though, this is still rated number two instead of number one, specifically because they're both extroverts, whereas the INFP is still an introvert and still likes to respond. And also, they're also control. uh, Their interaction style is responding and control and it's informative. And those fit really, really well together uh, with uh, direct and initiating uh, and control because the control is there on both sides. There's not much chaos in this relationship. And uh, one's direct, one's informative. And the ENFJ really needs uh, informative people to really engage with them because they're an intuitive. If they were a sensor, they'd probably rather have someone being direct to direct, kind of like ESTJs and ESTPs. But from the intuitive standpoint, it's different. The direct ones actually want to be with the informative ones, because the, the informative allows them to stay informed and keep track of their information, right? So that's what they do in terms of this relationship. And that's kind of why this relationship is rated number two instead of number one, according to social compatibility. So be that as it may, Let's look into why that is. So, for example, um, let's say the ENFJ is flying around saving the world, you know, like being like the super mega activist. But then the ENFP starts feeling like it's being ignored, and then it's like, "Hello, you're not giving me a good experience here. My SI inferior is feeling ignored here, and I feel ignored. And why do you think that's okay? Don't you want to be thinking about me right now? Don't you want to be thoughtful about me, ENFJ?" And then the ENFJ is, oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry if it seems like I'm ignoring you. I should sp- uh, spend more time focusing on you and our relationship instead of everybody else. Because the ENFP wants to be valued. It wants to feel special, more special than anyone else in the ENFJ's relationship. But the ENFJ is at risk of treating everyone the same. And then that causes the ENFP to feel less special, right? In that moment. Whereas the INFP doesn't really, doesn't really care about that because they feel special enough on their own that, they, that the ENFJ doesn't have to do as much emotional maintenance on them. And they can be like super independent, especially in social situations, because then they're like, eh, I'm just gonna bow out. I'm either uncomfortable or I'm just tired of being here around these people. I'm just gonna bow out right now and just go home early. And then the ENFJ is like, okay, hi, bye, that's no problem, go do that, you know. Well, we'll go home and we'll probably bang and have and have a nice dinner and drink some wine, etc. You know, and the and the dreamer INFP is totally cool with that. And then and then they then they leave and then the ENFJ continues the party for like another half hour and then goes home afterwards, for example. Whereas the ENFP it's a little different. The ENFP in that expert situation still wants to be the number one priority of the ENFJ, and and that's one of the requirements. Again, that's why this is number two on the list instead of number one on the list, right? Another advantage uh, to these uh, compatible relationships is that remember the cognitive functions within the ego, the top four on each slot still needs to be able to reach for the other side of themselves like FE to FI or NE to NI or SE to SI or TE to TI within the fellow ego the other person involved in relationship. That is critical for a compatible relationship. That is critical and This is available in all of these relationships. Let's look at ENFJ ISTJ. You have the child to the hero, for example, which is nice because the child looks up to the hero, the child gets more developed. Uh, The ENFJ actually becomes more capable at providing really good experiences to the SI hero. Uh, And in some cases, I have heard that ENFJs have even reported that, you know, like for example, they have more sexual prowess in the bedroom. This is coming from an ENFJ male in a relationship with an ISTJ female because the ISTJ female just expects so much from him in the bedroom that he really has to put, like focus and put his all into it so that she can absolutely feel that experience that he's trying to deliver her with his SE child, right? And that really goes you know, beyond the scope of what his mind is. So he has to put so much more mental effort into it to be able to please the SI hero in the bedroom, right? Well, he's able to do that because he focuses on that and he's reported that he's actually been able to further develop his SU child in this way to be able to meet her needs in the bedroom. And it has been fantastic. And it's also allowed to explore additional mechanical aptitudes that he didn't previously have. Uh, like for example, working in the shop, going skydiving, you know, those types of things that he, as an ENFJ probably wouldn't have done previously. Uh, this is also similar to how ENFJs have relationships with ISFJs, that's also a very similar dynamic because again, it's a child, as a hero, right? Uh, and then also uh, extroverted intuition, uh, which is the inferior function and TI is the inferior function for the ENFJ and the E is the inferior function for the ICJ. Uh, inferior functions kind of like to uh, they like to team up with um, parent functions because parent functions are pessimistic like they are, right? Uh, the thing is though, sometimes the parent function can beat up the, uh, the fourth function. So you have to be careful, but it's not as much as being beat up by hero functions such as the ENFJ ESTJ relationship, which is number four in the highest compatibility list for the social compatibility, because the hero can really, really hit that inferior function and really cause a lot of insecurity. Whereas the parents parenting the inferior function can actually al- allow them to get out of their insecurities more. So this relationship is pretty good for that in that regard. This is this not really necessary because it's the child that's actually helping the inner child, the divine innocent child helping the ENFJ uh, increase their intelligence, right? And the ENFJ is also Giving more experiences and taking the ENFP out of their super comfortable shell, so they don't they don't stagnate, for example, and then of course they're just getting what they need directly across here, so it's not really a problem. All of those bases are covered, but I'm just trying to show you how differently you know, like there's certain gotchas as the compatibility goes down, and you got to watch out for the inferior function, especially in the fourth down relationship with ENFJ, ESTJ. Um, uh, also. Uh, the the parent function is interfacing directly with the child function on each side and that can also create a little teensy bit more uh conflict because the parent i mean when they look at each other they're like well you're being childish you know uh you're being childish with the experiences you want to give me or you're being childish with what uh with what you want right and it, it can or uh or you're childishly so giving and childishly so open minded. You know, and I mean, when are you going to give me what you want? You're focused on giving everyone else what they want. What about me? You know, the ENFJ has that feeling of neglect by the part of the ESTJ. And they, and they can feel neglected. Even though this is a super high compatible friendship relationship, they, there's still a potential for neglect there in this relationship. So just be aware of these gotchas, even though they are really compatible. So on this side, ENFJ and ISTP. Now, the ENFJ is trying to get to the ISTP. The ISTP is the polar opposite of the ENFJ, but it is still number four on the, on the uh, lower, uh, well, it's like, uh, it's the uh, fourth to the bottom uh, of the list here. And if you notice, the hero is trying so hard to get down to the demon and the demon is trying so hard to get up to the hero. And it's just, it causes so much anguish, so much mental, Ability and just creates conflict, so much mental energy just to be able to reach out to the other person in this kind of relationship. I actually worked with an ENFJ and my my boss was an ISTP and they would go at it all the time. They would be at each other's throats in some way and they would talk crap about each other behind each other's backs like no tomorrow. And you would have never have guessed it, but they really had it out with each other because Um, The ENFJ was constantly complaining about how the ISTP was not meeting the social needs of other people. The ISTP was constantly complaining about the ENFJ lacking in their mechanical ability, their ability to do their job properly, that their, that their job, that the way they conduct their job is just more about posturing than actually getting anything done, right? And it's just led to conflict consistently. And it's because these functions are constantly trying to use the maximum amount of mental energy to get to the other side. Not only that, they have to break, they're not even getting anything from the other person's ego. They have to go to the shadow to get what they need. And it's just, it just leads to stress. It, it's, it's a huge amount of stress. It's not ideal and uh, lots of traffic jams here. Like like imagine a radio, you know, super high frequency band trying to go into a low frequency. It's like, you know, it's just, you get static everywhere. And it's just, it just turns into like a nightmare. And there's just so much intersection, so much interlap here in the center. It just makes it even worse. And there's also additional overlap here. You got lots of different points overlap here with this relationship, the ENFJ, the ESTP. Now. Uh, a friend of mine actually has, he is an ESTP. He has an ENFJ boss. The ENFJ is the owner of the company. He has a lot of respect for the EN uh, for the ENFJ. And they do have respect, but he himself has even had to go into the ENFJ's office and be like, hey bro, I don't know if you know, but some of the things that you said not exactly were appropriate or this person took it really seriously. He was using his INFJ um, subconscious at the time to speak with the ENFJ to kind of hold the ENFJ accountable. Because remember, There's a, as you go further, further down, um, down in the, uh, uh, like when you get to more of the shallow relationships at the bottom of this list here, the 16 types, when you start getting into like SFPs, NTJs, STPs, NFJs for the mentor, the ENFJ, the accountability goes way up. It's a lot of accountability because they're constantly scrutinizing each other, right? And that scrutiny is important for the growth of people. I'm not telling you to not be friends with these people. You should be friends with all of the types, but just understand that there's different purposes for these relationships. And yeah, the higher compatibility of that, it seems like there's more harmony, but then these people may not hold you accountable as much as you need. And whereas these people would, and it's important to know that it is important to remember a wise man is surrounded by many counselors, right? You wanna make sure that you have a lot of people from, a different, from many different perspectives and different walks of life to be able to hold you accountable, you know, to, to put you down and as much as you need people to pull you up so that you can learn and grow as a human being and gain maturity, right? Because otherwise, if you just surround yourself with yes men, you're not gonna get anywhere, right? So it's more like, oh, the higher the people are, the more likely they are to be yes men. Yeah, sure, but it's also great to have those people in your life And yes, these people down here would be like the no guys, people that would just tell you no at every turn. And then they have the neutral relationships in the middle, right? So just be aware of that. When it comes to compatibility in anything, it's all about standing up to scrutiny, but it's also standing up to, uh, you know, harmony as well. You know, harmony versus scrutiny in this regard. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have friendships in these. I'm just showing you how more compatible they are with others And where conflict may, like, conflict is more likely to show up in these relationships and less likely to show up in these relationships. But that doesn't mean conflict is bad, nor does that mean, especially, you know, INFPs or NFs watching this, uh, you know, that doesn't give you an excuse to avoid conflict either. You need conflict in order to grow. Do not forget that. So, ENFJ, ESTP, the ESTP held the ENFJ accountable. The ENFJ actually realized he did something wrong and then he immediately fixed it, called the meeting and everything was good again. It was fantastic and it was really good for the personal growth of the ESTP to be able to take the risk of going to his boss. It was also great for the uh, personal growth of the ENFJ who was the leader in that situation. Um, also the ENFJ and the INFJ. Both NFJs, they have really high camaraderie, but if they're just one on one, they are at risk of having conflict with each other and holding each other at, 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 accountable consistently. Especially since, like, they're like, "Well, I can out ethic you, and uh, I can out want you, and I'm smarter than you, or you know, or you're too harsh, or you're not harsh enough, you know." And then again, there's like all these conflicts, and they're trying to go below uh, into the, each other's shadow to try to get what their egos need. And it just turns into like this. It's not exactly ideal. Uh, but they do have really high camaraderie, which is different, you know, different from compatibility. So there are positives there. Remember, comrades, you know, you go to war with your comrades, right? You go to battle with your comrades, right? They hold you accountable. They you make sure that they have their back. It's a different kind of relationship, right? So there's really high camaraderie, but low functional compatibility. And of course, ENFJ plus ENFJ. Do you really wanna be friends the same exact type? Really? Most people are like, well, yeah, they're super compatible. No, actually it's not super compatible at all. It's horrible. And usually people that are in same type relationships are actually mistyped and not actually in same type relationships. And I would say a same type relationship is extremely rare or like doesn't happen ever. And it's like almost nine out of 10 times actually a mistype. Be aware of that phenomenon, please. If you don't know how to type yourself properly, watch my playlist on how to type yourself and others. Or go to the, uh, my website and download the type grid off of the very front page of the website, csjoseph.life, so you can learn how to type yourself and others. So you don't have to rely on tests anymore. Tests are dumb. And and yes, I am creating a test that is based on the type grid, but uh you know, because of accuracy but we don't need to have these stupid 150, 60 question, huge tests to tr- that people answer incorrectly anyway. And wow, why would we subject ourselves to that behavior? Like, uh, yeah, no, or that experience. No, thank you. So ENFJ plus ENFJ, it's a problem. And I would like to mention it because I haven't really mentioned as much about these types of relationships. But when the hero is trying to get down to the nemesis, the nemesis is like the apex of the unconscious, you know, whereas the hero is the apex of the ego. And they're just so, by default against each other, that it's like that one's like, well, I'm more moral than you, or you can't make me feel good enough about myself. I'm already worried that I'm a bad person, but I'm not going to accept what you think of me because I don't care what you think of me because TE is my demon and what you think of me is not relevant, you know? And then uh, there's just no room for encouragement here and ENFJ encouraging another ENFJ just falls on deaf ears, right? So why would we even bother doing it? So why I don't recommend it. And you'd think they have super, super mega camaraderie. Yeah, sort of, but then it's still canceled. They just cancel each other out and it just becomes white noise. Why bother? You know, just, I, I wouldn't recommend having a relationship with the same type. And usually when it comes to like me being around other people of the same type as me, I generally, as a rule, shy away from them because I don't want to create unnecessary conflict. I like to give them a wide berth and let them have all the space that they need to operate within their own realm. And if I'm in my realm, I hope they give me a space to operate in mine. So anyway, that concludes the social compatibility for the ENFJ type. If you found this lecture to be useful, educational, insightful, or helpful anyway, please subscribe to the channel here on YouTube or on our podcast or both, that would be dope. And also leave a like for this particular lecture. If you have any questions about ENFJs or their compatibility, please leave it in the comment section. I'll do my best to answer your questions. And uh, if uh, also, I have been getting some emails uh, from people. I've been getting a lot of emails. If I haven't gotten to yet, I apologize, but I am getting to them. Uh, thank you for your patience there. Uh, it's been really busy and next week, this, this coming week is gonna be extremely busy for me. So I'll do my best to keep uh, churning out uh, these lectures for everybody. So, but thank you for your patience. I really appreciate it and as much as I re- appreciate this audience uh, in a big way. So awesome. Well, I got many more of these to go. So I'll see you guys tonight.